Hey, praise God. Thank you. You can be seated. Thanks, Pastor Scott and the team here at North Central. Delighted to be here. I pastored here for 20 years in uh, the Twin Cities. Uh, really, God called me to be an evangelist at 12 years old. And then we be, I became a music pastor where we saw thousands come to Christ. And then I, I, he said, I want you to pastor. I said, I don't want to pastor. Most churches aren't winning people to Christ. And I said, you know, your church can be an evangelistic center, he told me. And then he did something amazing in my life. Uh, in 1996, he told me to double my prayer time, seek his face, not his hand. And, and out of that, God opened up international stuff. And now we're in 51 nations. We were just in India this morning. We were training 75 pastors on a Zoom call this morning with our one-minute witness. It's a four-week call. So, uh, you, you know, th this has changed my life. I mean, there's a few things that have changed my life. Salvation's changed my life. Baptism in the Holy Spirit's changed my life. But learning how to share my faith has changed my life. I was very afraid to share my faith. We did big festivals in India, have thousands of people, and, and I was not afraid to preach to thousands, but you know what? I was afraid to talk to one. I was a pastor, I was an evangelist, and I was very afraid. I would rarely share my faith in my hometown. And God spoke to me one day in, in 2006, and he said, Tom, you're doing a great job around the world, etc. but Tom, why aren't you sharing your faith? He said, I need you, Tom. The world needs the gospel, and if you're not going to do it, Tom, I'll find someone else. And I said, no, don't find someone else. Use me. And that was 2006. I was scared to death. I went to a buddy of mine, and I said, hey, let's share our faith every day this week here in Minneapolis. Should we do it? And just on our own, and let's text or call each other every night. How did you do? Well, the first day, I went out. It was Monday. I forgot all about my commitment on Sunday. And, and I, I went through my holy huddle all day with my Christian office, Christian staff, Christian music, Christian desk, Christian computer, Christian everything, you know. And I'm driving home my Christian car to be with my Christian wife and watch some Christian TV. I was in, TV. I was in my Christian bubble, right? And, and then I remembered, oh, you can't fail the first day. So I pulled into a gas station a holiday station, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I just cannot fail the first day. I get a, Maybe I'll buy a newspaper and talk to this gal at the register, but I still don't even know what I'm going to say. And, and this is how God works. As you take steps of faith, as you because you have to lean to, to take a step of faith. Isn't that right? You, you can't take a step of faith in an erect position. You have to lean, and that's the leaning. That's what gets us. We don't want to take another step because it's the uncertainty but this is how God works. As you and I put ourselves in places that are uncomfortable by his spirit, he shows up right at the moment you do it. And so I'm standing in line, going to buy this newspaper, and I look over by the cookies, and I see this guy standing at the cookies. And he's looking up at the ceiling. He's like staring at the ceiling. I'm thinking, what in the world? I look again, he's just staring at the ceiling. And then I looked at him, and I see around his neck is a necklace with a cross on it. And the light bulb went on, and I thought, when you see a cross, that's a perfect invitation to share your faith. So I got out of line. I said, hey, I like your cross. He says, oh, thanks. I said, can you tell me what does that mean to you? Oh, my grandma gave it to me. Oh, okay. That told me two things. Number one, probably got a praying grandma. Number two, I'm going to be an answer to your grandma's prayers right now. And so I said, may I tell you how, what that cross means to me? And I didn't realize that God at that moment was writing our tool called One Minute Witness, now in 45 languages. I didn't know it. It was happening the very first day because our, our tool starts with permission. And 
And I said, may I tell you what that cross means to me? And he says, yes. And for like 10 minutes, we stood there. It's like he had never heard the gospel. I'm in Maple Grove, Minnesota. I can't believe it in my town. Because, and, and so I, he, he wasn't interested in getting saved, but I frankly didn't care that much. I just was glad I didn't fail my first day. And the second day, I went to Costco, and there's a guy sitting there waiting for his wife. And I shared my faith, and he wants to give his life to Christ. I can't believe it. And after one week, I shared with 11 people, and three people got saved, and I couldn't believe it. Why couldn't I believe it? Because most churches in America are not growing. Most churches, even in the Assemblies of God, according to Dr. George Wood, when he was there, he said, most of our churches are not growing. And and so I just thought, because our churches are not growing, most people are not open. But I was totally wrong. People are very open to the gospel. They're just not coming to our churches. As John Maxwell said, he said, isn't it sort of prideful when you think about it? We've got the best news ever, but you have to come to our event to hear about it. You have to step out of your comfort zone to come into our holy huddle and hear about Jesus. Instead of us stepping out of our holy huddle and and to, to meet them. And so it changed my life. Seven days, seven days later, I said, hey, my buddy, let's, let's do it again. Let's do another week. After 14 days, we said, wow, this is working. I just can't believe it. it. People are this open in America. And so I said, well, let's finish the month. And after a month, I was addicted. And, and it's changed my life. I, I went from being very afraid to being very confident. But it's, it's, it's not an in-your-face thing. It's very compassion-driven. It's very relational. It's very conversational. You can do it with a stranger. You can do it with a friend. You can do it with a neighbor. But it, it works. And so I, I, it's called One Minute Witness. And you can look, just write down that website. I'm going to give you a couple things to write down. But go to that website, and you can check it out. And you can hear testimonies from around the world. But I want, I want to show you a couple pictures right now, Okay. And I want you to raise your hand if you feel compassion when you see this picture. Go back one, please. Okay, so you see those two pictures right there? Oh, you got, I've got two on my screen. Go back one. Okay, how many feel compassion? Raise your hand. Okay, next picture. How many feel compassion? Oh, it went down a lot. What happened? Huh? Next picture. How many feel compassion? Oh. Why, don't, why can we feel compassion for starving kids and a drunkard, but not for a successful businessman? Because the Bible says this, because man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so well, I have to start seeing through the eyes of Jesus. I have, to, I have to start thinking that man, that man without Jesus is going to go to hell. Who has talked to this man about Jesus? I have to stop being intimidated by the suit and the tie and the money and the success, and I just have to see them the way Jesus sees them. So go to the next one. And the next one, I just want you to pick out one face in that crowd, if you would, please. Any, any face. What do you know about that person? Nothing, right? Well, you do know one thing. They need Jesus. Who's going to talk to them? I'm praying when you walk out of the school today into your world outside of the college campus, and I just say walk slowly because look at people. They're going down the sidewalk at the the, uh, intersections, wherever you are, and say, who's going to tell them about Jesus? They're not coming to our event. So next one, please. Here's the problem that we're facing. 
Jesus said when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were sheep like having no shepherd. In India, it's very, very common to have flocks of sheep walking along the road. So you have to think of the the culture Jesus is talking to right here. But one thing you never see in India, you'll never ever see sheep without a shepherd. The sheep, it might be an eight-year-old boy or girl that's the shepherd, but there's always a shepherd. Why? Because sheep are not very smart animals. They get in a lot of trouble. Jesus is looking at humanity. He's looking at the Twin Cities and saying, they're sheep without a shepherd. Who is going to reach them? And so we tell pastors when we go to our seminars, the very first thing we tell pastors is to stop pastoring the church. Stop pastoring your church. Start pastoring your community. If you wait for them to come, they're not coming. Now look at some stats because these are horrifying 97% of Christians will never share the plan of salvation with one unbeliever ever in their entire lifetime. Maybe they invite them to church, maybe you talk about God, but most Christians don't even know how to lead someone to Christ. That is horrifying. If you're serious about the Great Commission, which Assemblies of God is, which this school is. Number two, look at this next one. 90% of unbelievers will never come to our churches. Well, we might get a few visitors now and then, and we rejoice in it, and we're happy. But we're not touching our world. We're not making a dent. Because the world is growing faster and faster. Millennials are going to church less and less. And if we stay in our holy huddle, we lose, and eventually we die. That's, that's, it doesn't take a profit to say that. It's just what has happened to all the other denominations. If we stay within ourselves... France is now less than 1% born-again Christian. France will be, in about 15, 20 years, they say, will be a Muslim nation without one bullet ever being fired because they're having all the children, all the, and it's just growing that way. It's the same way with the church in Jesus Christ. As our culture grows, if we don't get out of our church, so these are just stats. I don't say it to condemn. I mean, I was, I was afraid. I wasn't sharing my faith. So I'm saying, okay, If they're not coming, here's the good news. 75% of believers are willing, according to Barnapol, to listen to a Christian who they trust talk about their their faith. Our our stats show that when you use our tool of one-minute witness, that number jumps to about 98% are willing to listen. Rarely do we have someone say, no, you can't tell me. And so, next one. So, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. This is a chance for you and I to say, I'm going to make a difference. I'm not, compassion means to, it's, it's two words, come and passion. It literally means to suffer with. Compassion is not a, a good feeling. Compassion's going to cost you. Compassion will, will put you in their shoes for a moment and try to help them. Sympathy is from a distance. Compassion always has action. And Jesus looked on the crowd with compassion. It's like a bad stomachache. He felt their, their hurt and their, their pain. So next one. So, I, I remember when I first started doing this, I said, God, what can I do? I don't have a lot of models. I mean, our model in, in Christian America, when I grew up, was build it and they will come. That was it. You build a new church, the, neighbor, the people start coming. We were sort of a Christian culture. How many know we're not sort of a Christian culture anymore? We're moving away from it. The build it and they will come doesn't work anymore. The better mantra is equip them and they will go. And if we see the church as an army of believers, you have to give army guns and bullets. 
And, and this is one of the guns and bullets they need. They need to be successful. They need to be, I mean, at every Christian college, wouldn't it be wonderful by the time you graduate that you are really, really good at sharing your faith? I mean, shouldn't that just be base standard, like 101? Everyone could be good. So you go into the business world, you go into the medical world, you go into the financial world, you go into ministry. Everywhere you go, it becomes the new normal. We share our faith. Now, there's six habits of a mature disciple that I see. If you want to be, the Bible says, go and make disciples. Usually we forget to go. We just make disciples of who's in our church. But anyways, the, there's six habits that I see. Number one, mature disciples read the Word daily. Number, number two, they pray daily. Number three, they worship the Lord daily. Number four, they give daily, whether offerings or of themselves. Number five, they serve daily because the greatest in heaven is a servant. But number six, they share their faith. You can't be a mature disciple and be silent. It's, it just goes against everything the Scripture says. And so this was a big challenge for me. I was a pastor, I was an evangelist, and I was scared like a little kid to share my faith. I was like a scared like a teenage girl. You know, I was just like, what in the world? But he didn't have many models. So we're taking a hard right, and we say, let's, let's move towards the people. Let's go out and get them. So, for example, I was on the phone with a, a guy having computer problems, and while I was on the phone, this guy's in the southern United States, and while I was on the phone, um, I had to wait for something to download. And the Holy Spirit says, uh, share your faith. Now, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? Because the thought just came in my head, and I know I didn't think it. I wouldn't think that. It must be, and it's not the devil, so it must be the Holy Spirit, right? So share your faith. So I said, hey, and so I did the one-minute witness. Let me, let, me, uh, let me illustrate for you. Can you, someone time me? Someone time me on their stopwatch, okay? And when I say go, then, then go, okay? So I said, hey, um, while we're waiting for this to download, may I tell you, I, I, I'm working on an assignment, may I ask you a question? He said, oh, sure. I said, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? And you know what he said? He said, you really want to know? I said, yeah. He said, the best thing is I got a sex change operation. And I about dropped the phone. I thought, what do I say to this? Now, this is like five years ago. It's just like, are you kidding me? Now I know why the Holy Spirit said share. And so he talked about it, but then he said, what about you? What's the best thing in your life? And I said, you really want to know? He said, yeah. Okay, ready? Well, here it is. There was a time in my life that I had no peace in my heart. I was asking the real big questions like, what's my purpose? and What happens when I die? Then one day, someone told me about a God who really loves me. His name is Jesus. And when I realized that Jesus died for my wrong and he rose again, I invited him to forgive me and, and be the leader of my life, not just a Sunday religious thing, but an everyday thing. And you know, that was the best thing, because since I've met Christ, I have new hope, I have forgiveness, I have the promise of heaven. And I know if I had never given my life to Christ, my life would still be very empty without purpose. So, so thank you for listening. The same Jesus loves you very, very much. 45 seconds. That's a one-minute witness, okay? So you could do this. Every student could do this. It's just your story. And guess what? No one's going to argue with you because it's your story. I didn't quote Scripture. It wasn't doctrinal. There's some tools like, um, like Four Spiritual Laws. All that. That's, it's an excellent tool, but it's doctrinal. This is not. This is testimonial. 
This is like kindergarten evangelism. Anyone. We have, we have thousands of children, hundreds of children that are doing this. We have a children's version of this tool starting at seven years old. And so you go to the website, you can see these things. But let me tell you one more story because I, because I told them. But there was another time that even touched me more. I, I must have computer problems a lot because I, was, I, was, I called my, my computer company. They connected me with a call center in the Philippine Islands. And this gal came on in the Philippines, and she's talking with really good Western English accent. She said, oh, yeah, they actually train us to talk with your accent so you can understand us. I thought, That's, you, you're doing great. So I said, and again, we had to wait for something. So I said, uh, you know, I'm working on an assignment. May I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, my family, she said. And she just went on and on and on about her family. She couldn't hardly stop talking. It's just joyful, joyful, talk, 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 talk. When, I was, when she was done, I said, hey, may I tell you the best thing in my life? She said, yeah. And so I did my one-minute witness just like I did. But now something changed in the atmosphere. From, instead of her being talkative, now it was total silence. Not any uh-huh or agreement or nothing. It was just total 100% silence. I finished, we finished our work on the computer, and that was it, and we thanked each other, I thanked her, and that was end, and I thought, well, okay, God, I obeyed your prompting, I have no idea what happened. Two days later, I received an email from this lady. I did not give her my email address, she had to look it up in the company records. This is what she said, dear Tom, it is highly prohibited for us to contact our customers, but I had to tell you that when you were talking about how Jesus changed your life, my eyes were flooding with tears, showering with tears, she said. I couldn't even speak or my voice would crack because when I was 17 years old, I was serving Jesus. But just yesterday, I told God, you might be for some people, but you are no longer for me. Now, she says, out of all the thousands of calls we receive at this call center, God directed your call to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, when we share our faith, we are partnering with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already working in their lives. You are just helping revive it again and help bring it to attention. We can't save anybody, but we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when you get to heaven, there's a special avenue in heaven for those that win many to, to Christ. Daniel 12, 3. Uh, you're going to shine like the stars of heaven, those who turn many to Christ. You don't want to be a Hollywood or a Bollywood star, but I want to be a, a star for Jesus. I want to win many to Christ. Don't you? And you can do this. The most introverted person can do this. The most extra, extroverted. No matter how little or much confidence you have, you have a story. And I'm hoping someday in the future we will start sessions so we have a goal of every student knowing I can share my faith and, and being good at it. I don't think it does the gospel any good that the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are better at sharing their faith than most Christians. We have the truth, and we ought to be the very best at sharing our faith. But it's not normal. It's not how our culture was, was grown up. When I went to Nepal... Uh, they looked at, our, at my tool and they said, this is a great tool, but we already share our faith every day. I never met any country that said that. But they said, this tool will help us do it better. Because in Nepal, it's illegal to share your faith. 
When persecution comes, the church grows. I talked to an Iranian Assembly of God pastor who had to leave, had to leave the country of Iran in, in Armenia. We trained him. And he looked at our tool. He said, this will work great in the Muslim culture because it's by permission, it's relational, it's, con- it's, it's, it's conversational, it's not preaching at them. So you and I have a story, and God wants you to use your story and to become really, really good at it. And, and you can do it. By the Holy Spirit, you can do this. And so I want to leave you with just with a couple things. Number one is, is, is that, um, and, and here, here's the five fingers. You can, go on, you can go online and see it, but I, I did permission. May I ask you a question? Then I said, I don't say before Christ. I said, there was a time in my life. And then one day, number three, when I realized Jesus died, number three. Number four, since I met Jesus. And number five, if I never met Jesus. So pretty soon you just memorize it. It's your story. And pretty soon you just know. You don't even think about it. You could do it in your sleep, and no one's going to argue with you, so don't worry about rejection. Next one. So I, I encourage you. Uh, we do have an app for this now. It's on the commissioned app. And if you go to app.oasis.ngo, and you can put that code in there, and you can actually chronicle. We're, we're challenging everybody. You can win 10 people to Jesus this year. You can actually pray. People are that open outside the church. And so you can do it, but you have to be trained. You have to be good at it. And, you, and we give people a partner for 21 days. You have a partner. You text in or call your partner every day to encourage each other and say, we can do this. But you realize, what was the enemy lying to me about? And I was listening to his lies for so long. This is one of the things that is, I think, in my opinion, doubled my personal fruitfulness. If this wasn't for anyone else, if it was just for me, it has helped me so very much. So go to that. You can put that code in, OMW-USA. And um, so we have a, a boot camp coming up. There's a, there's a, go ahead on the next one. Oh, app. Yeah, info. There you are. That's our email. If you want to know more, we have a boot camp coming up uh, in, uh, on Halloween Day, October 31st, here in the Twin Cities. If you want to be trained in that, you know, just contact us at that email. If you want to go further in this, if you want to help us in the school, whatever. But I, I believe God is using the young generation, is used, raising up the young people to shake our, our earth and to shake our nation, okay? The rioters are not going to change our nation. The, you have influence, and God wants to use the Holy Spirit in you to make you bold. And we as Assemblies of God Pentecostal people, I love my prayer language. I use it all the time. But if you read Acts 1.8, the, the purpose of Pentecost was so you could get filled with the Spirit and go out and be His witness, his witness. And the Greek word for witness is martyress. And in that day, it just meant to tell somebody what you saw. But because many of the Christians started getting killed because of their witness, our, our definition of the word actually started to change. The martyress started meaning martyr, someone who, who gives their life for their cause. It actually costs you your life. And of course, Christ tells us to lay down our life. And Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This can change your life. It's changed my life, and it can change. As you as students go out of here, we we have to change our world. Politics is not going to change our world. Uh, Jesus is going to change our world. Only Jesus can change the heart. So I want to thank you today. And I want to just uh, just ask you with one one final story. Just imagine, if you would. Imagine you you went home, maybe wherever you live, and you drove into your town, and you went to your parents' house. And as you got close to the house, you saw fire trucks rushing 
into your neighborhood. And as you got close, closer, you started seeing billows of black smoke coming out. And as you got closer, you realized it's your house that's on fire. And flames are shooting out the windows. And you run up to the house, and you can hear your brothers and sisters screaming, Help me! You can hear your mom and your dad, Save me. What would you do? Would you run back to church and have a prayer meeting? I tell you what you would do. You would try to find a way to run into the flames. Why? Because love is ten times stronger than fear. Absolutely. You will run after what you really love the most. You will risk your life for what you love the most. James, Jude 23 says, and some have compassion making a difference, pulling them out of the fire. There's people in your life that God is going to give you opportunities to pull them out of the fire. And as you talk about your witness and how Christ has changed your life, it will change them forever. So let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, I go back to that day in 2006 when I said, Lord, don't use someone else. Use me. I have to get over my fear. I have to get over this. I have to do what the Scripture tells me to do. And, Lord, as I've done this, you did it, and I give you the glory. But, Lord, the same thing, the same spirit that was in the disciples of early days that gave them the boldness to be martyrs, the boldness to share their faith, the boldness to be whipped for sharing their faith, and then they go back out on the street right away and keep sharing, counting it joy that they could suffer for their Lord. I pray, Lord, you would raise up students at North Central University that would say, I'm going to be his witness. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to get equipped, and I'm going to influence the, the student body around me. Do a revival at this school that will impact our nation for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, give the Lord praise.